You are listening to Perplexity. <laughs> everybody. Happy October and welcome back to another spooky episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. I'm your host, Kadra, and I've got a great story for you guys today. I think it'll be really fun and I'm hoping you'll learn something new because today we're going to be talking about folklore and Halloween traditions from around the world. Don't forget to tune into those bonus episodes on whatever podcast platform you listen on. If you want to hear me reading some creepy stories from the No Sleep Forum on Reddit, I think those are so much fun. I love doing those for you guys, and who doesn't love a good, scary story during October? So like I said, today we're going to learn some new things. We're going to be traveling all over the world. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I first want to preface this by saying I found information about many other countries and their traditions too, but I simply don't have time to talk about all of these. (laughs) So I picked five countries to talk about. I feel like that's a pretty good amount. And then I thought I could also throw in some United States things for people who are not from the United States. So Halloween actually originates all the way back to Samhain, which is a festival that marks the beginning of winter in Gaelic Ireland. And it can be traced all the way back to the 9th century. This is a very ancient practice. And in Irish mythology, Samhain is a special time where people will prepare for winter and the doorways or portals to the afterlife during this time also are said to open. So this would allow the supernatural beings and souls of the dead to cross over just for one night. So, of course, to disguise themselves from these potentially evil spirits, the townsfolk in Ireland would dress up in costumes. They also carved jack-o'-lanterns out of turnips to deter evil spirits. And they would go door to door, reciting poetry in exchange for treats, I guess as a fun way to pass the time while they're trying to escape these creepy, spooky spirits. The souls of people's dead ancestors were also honored with a feast, and bonfires were lit all throughout the town to keep the darkness away. So I found this to be really interesting. I am Irish myself and haven't done a lot of research on my culture, to be honest. I hadn't heard of Samhain, but I thought it was really cool. And obviously it has a lot of similarities to how we practice like traditional Halloween in the United States today. We wear our costumes, we go trick or treating. We've talked about in a lot of like United States Halloween movies about how the veil is thinner for this one night. So I thought it was pretty cool. And you'll see with some of the other countries that I talk about how there will be some similarities in their practices too with Samhain. Today, Samhain Parade takes place in Dublin every year. And if you want to have some traditional food there, you can have Colcannon, which is basically a mashed potato mixed with greens like cabbage and kale. And you can have Barmbrack, and that's a sweet bread with fruit in it. If you get barmbrack, you'll also find an extra surprise inside. 
and there's like these little charms that they'll throw into the loaf and each of the charms gives you your fortune for the new year. So I thought this was really fun and interesting. If you find a ring in your barn brack, it means that you'll soon get married. If there's a piece of straw, it indicates prosperity. So really interesting. There's also a puka festival and the dairy Halloween celebration in the northern part of Ireland. Children also still dress up, they trick or treat, and adults, you know, party and play games. There's a game called Knock a Dolly where kids basically play Ding Dong Ditch. They knock on the door and then they run away before the owner of the home can open the door. Snap Apple is also a common game here where an apple is tied on a string and attached to a door frame or a tree. The players try to bite the apple as it's hanging there. And in the United States, we play bobbing for apples. So pretty similar. We put the apples in water. You try to take the apple out with only your mouth. So you have to dunk your head in the water. I definitely played this at Halloween parties when I was a kid. In Ireland, there are also treasure hunts where candy or pastries are the prize. And there's also a traditional card game that is sometimes played where the cards are laid face down on the table. And then underneath each card, there's a piece of candy or a coin. And a card is selected by the player, like, ooh, I want this one, and they point to it. And then the player will receive whatever prize is underneath. So it's a win-win either way, get some money or get some candy. Now, as far as folklore goes, in Ireland, there is a myth about a man named Stingy Jack who tricked the devil into paying for his drink one time, and then he trapped him in the form of a coin. And I guess the devil somehow escaped because he sought revenge, and Stingy Jack was forced to roam the earth and purgatory, and Stingy Jack is believed to have been responsible for the tradition now of carving scary faces into gourds. So this kind of made me wonder if Stingy Jack's spirit is supposed to be trapped in the jack-o'-lantern. So now let's talk about Japan. In Japan, Halloween is a relatively new holiday. It's actually celebrated primarily by adults as well. So there's no trick-or-treating for the kids but there's a heavy emphasis on partying. The Kawasaki Halloween Parade is huge in Japan, and it requires that guests apply at least two months in advance if they want to participate. There are other holidays in Japan to celebrate the dead, like Oban, and that's an annual Buddhist event to celebrate people's ancestors. And this is celebrated during the summertime, but I still thought it was interesting to mention just briefly. During Oban, it's believed spirits temporarily return and visit their loved ones. Lanterns are hung in front of the house, guiding their ancestors home, which made me think of a lighthouse. It's traditional to visit your loved one's grave during Oban, and people dance, they make food offerings, and it's also common to set up an altar in your home for your loved one. As far as folklore goes, and I thought this was really, really creepy, there is the legend of the slit-mouthed woman. 
So the legend goes, if you pass a dark alley and a masked woman approaches you asking, do I look pretty? You might be being stalked by the slit-mouthed woman. She is believed to be the soul of a woman who was abused and tortured during her last lifetime. And according to legend, if she approaches you, you know, asks, do I look pretty, and takes off her mask, she will reveal a mouth that is slit from ear to ear. So she'll ask you if she looks pretty, and you have three choices. None of them are great. If you answer yes, she will slit your mouth from ear to ear, but you still live. If you answer no, she kills you. So it's recommended that if she approaches you, you should give vague answers like so-so or average, which the idea of that just is so funny to me. If someone's like, do I look pretty? And you're like, (laughs) so-so. So this is believed to confuse the slit-mouthed woman just long enough for you to escape. You can also tell her that you're busy and she will leave you alone. So I guess she's polite. (laughs) In Mexico, Latin America, and Spain, there's also a celebration called All Souls Day. And this happens on November 2nd, but it begins on October 31st. All Souls Day honors the dead, and it's believed that the dead can temporarily return to their earthly homes on Halloween. Incense is often burned to help the spirits find their way. Grave sites are cleaned up and decorated. And many families, again, make altars in their homes. They'll leave gifts like candy and flowers, and they'll make the deceased loved one's favorite foods, uh, leave their favorite drinks. They'll lay out precious photographs for them. A place to wash up after eating their favorite meal is also commonly set out. So when All Saints Day comes to an end, that last day, November 2nd, the relatives will often go to the cemetery together and they have a picnic. The celebrations are casual sometimes. They can also be bigger. They'll have like parties. And they'll even sometimes have like tequila, a mariachi band. Mexico also, of course, has El Dia de los Muertos or the Day of the Dead. And this is celebrated November 1st and 2nd. This celebration dates back over 3,000 years to pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. It's basically a mix of traditional indigenous customs and European traditions. So during El Dia de los Muertos, it's believed the gates of heaven will open and loved ones can reunite temporarily with their families. There's a big festival and people will wear skull masks and eat treats that will be shaped like skulls. This is seen as a time of celebration of life. It's not meant to be dark or ominous, creepy. And I've done an entire episode on La Llorona, But of course, I have to briefly mention her here since that's a big part of Mexican folklore. The classic story of La Llorona is there was once a woman named Maria who was married with two sons. One day, Maria was, you know, walking around and stumbled across her husband and found out he was cheating on her with another woman. So in her rage and grief, she drowned her two children to spite her husband. 
After she had done this, though, she immediately regretted what she did. She realized the scope of what she just did, and she killed herself. But because the weight of her sins were so great, she was trapped in purgatory for the rest of her days. She is known to forever roam the streets of Mexico, especially near bodies of water, and she's often heard crying and searching for her children. So I'm going to talk about Italy next. I couldn't find too much on Italy, but I know I have some listeners there. So if you have anything to add to this, please send me a message. Let me know. So in Italy, they do celebrate Halloween. They also celebrate traditional Agnesanti, which translates to All Saints Day on November 1st and 2nd. And All Saints Day, I mean by the name, has deep religious undertones. And the holiday is dedicated to all of the saints, and the celebration will vary a little bit from region to region in Italy. The souls of the dead are said to come back and visit their families, so the living decorate the cemeteries for them. They lay out fall chrysanthemums, which are, I think, a super pretty flower, and they'll leave food and gifts. In Sicily, the deceased are believed to rise from the dead, and they'll bring gifts to children who are behaving well. Children in Sardinia go door to door and ask for offerings from the deceased instead. In China, the Qingming Festival is held at the beginning of April, and this seems to be the closest thing to Halloween. I mentioned this festival just briefly in last week's episode when I was talking about ghost marriages. And King Ming is also known as Tomb Sweeping Day. Loved ones of the deceased will show up. They sweep and clean their loved ones' tombs. And there's also a creature in China known as the Jiangxi, which translates to stiff body. So now we're just kind of transitioning into their folklore here. Uh, The stiff body is believed to be a type of vampire, but unlike Western vampires, Jiangxi does not react to garlic, holy water, or silver bullets. So if you pull out those stops, you're going to be pretty unsuccessful with this type of vampire. But they are weak to several other things, such as the blood of black dogs, wooden swords made from peach trees, the eggs of hens, and the urine of a virgin boy. Gag. If you suck out the Jiangxi's last dying breath, it's said you can destroy it. So I don't know how you would do this. I guess you would, you know, be armed with your your blood, your wooden sword, throw an egg at it, throw some pee on him, and then (laughs) give him mouth to mouth. I don't know. There is also a fun little belief with the Jiangxi that you can throw rice on the ground to distract it. And I guess the Jiangxi is like compulsive because if you throw rice on the ground, it will feel the need to count all the grains of rice. So it'll stop attacking you and just go to the ground and start counting each grain, giving you some time to get away. So I thought that was really fun and interesting. And then just to kind of wrap up, I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, practices for Halloween in the United States. So in the United States, we tend to do trick-or-treating. I feel like the costumes into adulthood are also still really common. 
Um, parents will dress up with their kids and they go door to door at night. You know, you get your, your food, your candy. And we also have trunk or treating now. And all the kids will go around to trunks of cars that are in parking lots and they get a bunch of candy out of the trunks. Fall festivals are also really popular here. So you can go to different places throughout the United States. They'll have uh, apple cider and fall treats. There's carnival rides. Uh, you can do face painting. There's haunted houses. I know for me, as I've gotten older, like my birthday's on November 4th. So I grew up having Halloween parties as a kid. And I know as I've gotten older too, I. I really treasure the time of fall and Halloween. I like to sit on the couch with my blanket and have like some hot chocolate or apple cider and I'll watch a scary movie. Uh, I love watching Nightmare Before Christmas because it's nostalgic to me and I just think it's a good movie. I like to bake during the fall. So I think there's lots of great things to look forward to around this season. And then also, of course, it's finally cooler in Texas a little bit during this time. Um, the leaves are changing. And I know for me, when the fall is here, it's just kind of a reminder to me that it's okay to slow down. Uh, the year is starting to come to an end. And then of course, after that, it's like the leaves are falling and everything starts anew. So for me, when the leaves start changing, it starts to make me think about what do I want in this next year for myself? So I think that's why fall is my favorite season. So then just talking about folklore in the United States a little bit, I felt the need to mention the Headless Horseman. I think that's a good classic one to talk about for Halloween. So I'm going to read an excerpt from WGPFoundation.org. Famously described as the haunting antagonist and author Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the Headless Horseman has captured imaginations for generations. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow embarks on the tale of Ichabod Crane, a skittish schoolteacher who tries to woo a wealthy landowner's daughter, Katrina Van Tassel. Crane's plans are spoiled by the raucous and brawny Brom Bones. In the story, Bones poses as a headless horse in a devious plot to scare away Ichabod Crane. The headless horseman, sometimes known as the Galloping Hessian, is portrayed with a pumpkin, often a jack-o'-lantern, while riding a black horse. The story goes that the headless horseman is the ghost of a Hessian soldier who was decapitated by cannon fire during the Revolutionary War. While this frightening figure continues to live on in the pages of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, local lore claims that the Headless Horseman is buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Sleepy Hollow, New York. The legend says the ghost tethers his horse to graves in a churchyard, only to set out at night in search of his missing head. So I thought that was just fun to kind of wrap all of this up. And like I said, I know there's a lot of other countries that have traditions around Halloween. So if I left yours out, I still want to hear about it. Uh, or if you just have a fun little thing that you do within your family for Halloween, let me know. What are your Halloween traditions?
Okay, so before we wrap up today's episode, I am going to read another listener story. And this is another story from my mom. I had mentioned to you guys last week, she sent in two stories. So today's uh, story is about auditory hallucinations. I have been experiencing auditory hallucinations since 2006, just shortly after a major car accident in December 2005. It was my fault and the car I hit flipped over, so I thought I killed someone. Turns out, the car was vacant and just sitting in the middle of the road. The car in front of me had swerved and I didn't have time to react. Side note, I've learned since then to look ahead, way down the road in front of me, instead of just the car in front of me. On the first day of January, 2006, my husband asked me if I was still in love with him. I was very good at saying what he wanted to hear since I was always worried about how he would react. But that day, I was just super honest and told him how I had been feeling, and he listened. I wasn't in love with him anymore and had no romantic feelings for him at all. I think the car accident started something in me. It taught me life is short, and it could be gone in a moment. In my mind, I didn't want to spend another day living a life I wasn't happy in. So, a new struggle began. Our marriage was in trouble, and now my husband knew it too. That year, in 2006, a lot of strange things started happening to me, one being auditory hallucinations. The first time it ever happened to me, it sounded like a car was outside on our driveway, blaring their radio. It was so loud. I couldn't sleep, so I got out of bed and started going room to room in search of the music source. Every time I moved to a different room, The music level never changed. It stayed consistent. It also appeared to be repeating the same riff over and over again. And I could also hear every individual instrument making up each sound. Finally, I stopped and plugged my ears with my fingers, and the music was playing right inside my ears, as if I was wearing earbuds. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, literally. During that difficult time, I think my mind was trying to find ways to cope with the marriage trial. I loved music, especially worship music. It was so refreshing to my soul. As a member of church worship teams for many years, I loved to sing but couldn't play an instrument. During this time, I started writing a lot of songs and teaching myself guitar. Many of the songs I wrote came out of these riffs I would hear in my auditory hallucinations. One of the first songs I ever wrote was called Healing. In this song, my auditory hallucination included the entire chorus with lyrics and all. I sat in the bathroom on the closed lid of the toilet with a scratch piece of paper and pen. Quote, I want to be free. I want to be free. I need your presence to surround me and give me healing to see, healing to believe, healing to know that you're my God, end quote. 
It didn't really rhyme in all the right places, but once I started writing verses and a bridge later in the next week or so, I couldn't bring myself to change it. I wanted it to be exactly the way I first heard it. So I left it as is. My soul was crying out for help from God. I ended up going on to record that song in the studio later that year. One of our other songs I remember writing was called Never Gonna Let You Go. One of the worship leaders at our church was named David. In my auditory hallucination, I heard his voice singing this phrase over and over. Never gonna let you go. Never gonna let you go. I remember that particular song was rather annoying because it wouldn't go away and the repetition kept going on and on. I ended up finishing the song over the next few days and asked David to play and record it for me since his voice is the one I heard and at the time didn't play guitar very well. He recorded it for me and I was so thankful he took the time to do that for me. My husband and I eventually worked things out after lots of prayer and counseling. We spent four years just reconnecting and becoming friends again, while we continued to live in the same house with our two little girls. That was a rough season, but those songs got me through. It allowed me to express my feelings. My husband and I just celebrated our 30-year anniversary on January 2nd, 2023, and have a nonprofit called Sentinel Ministries. Today, I still have auditory hallucinations. But my songwriting days are long over. Yes, sometimes they're super annoying when I'm trying to go to sleep, but for the most part, I've learned to live with them. Sometimes I stop and listen for a while, and other times I try to get them to stop as quick as I can and ignore them. When I hear them now, it's more of a muffled tune, like someone's car radio is on way off in the distance. I can hear a tune, but I can't quite make out distinct musical instruments making up the sounds, and there are never any lyrics with it. I've noticed that it happens when I'm first about to drift off to sleep or in the middle of the night and my head is tilted to the right. Typically, if I turn my head back to the left and turn on my side, it'll go away. To this day, I still have some PTSD from that car accident in 2005. I mostly notice it when I watch TV and someone crashes a car, a bike, or has some sort of collision accident. I cannot watch shows like America's Funniest Home Videos or reels where people are getting hit with something or flying off of a trampoline. Otherwise, I'll have an adrenaline jolt through my chest. I'm not really sure why I still have auditory hallucinations, but I believe the car accident had something to do with it. I did have a pretty substantial spinal cord injury that eventually resulted in bulging discs in my back and neck. I've had many, many years of chiropractic adjustments and went through about 66 treatments of decompression on my neck and back. I've had my ears and hearing checked and everything is good there. I know some medications can cause auditory hallucinations, but the medications I'm on have not been consistently used throughout the years, so I don't think that's a factor. But for now, I just accept them. They are a part of my life, and I'm okay with that. I feel like they are there for a reason, so I don't try and fight it. So that is another story from my mom. And mom, thank you so much for writing that in. I 
definitely want to do an episode on auditory hallucinations at some point. From what I know so far, there can be a lot of things that can cause auditory hallucinations, but from what my mom is saying, one of my theories, besides like paranormal or spiritual intervention, would be an inner ear issue from the car accident. When you have head injuries or concussions, you can have vestibular disorders that develop in the inner ear, and it can cause things like tinnitus, dizziness, vertigo, and even auditory hallucinations. I hope you all enjoyed this fun Halloween episode and learned something new, and let me know what you want me to cover next. You can always send spooky stories of your own to me as well. You can drop them in the YouTube comments, or if you're listening on the podcast, you can DM me on Instagram or send me an email. I would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, you all are amazing. Happy October, and I can't wait to bring you guys another spooky tale next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. Hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Kadra would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.